You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Bonus episode number 74 of the week, James. I'm Jake Lisko, <laughs> along with your other host, James Rapine. If you're new to the podcast, you see Riley Reef sign with the Bengals, and you're like, I want to hear people talk about this in my earbuds. Oh, what's the top Bengals podcast? It's Locked On Bengals. If you're new around here, make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you use. We've got you covered five days a week, sometimes six days a week when the Bengals happen to be in the news. This is one of those weeks, James, the signing of Riley Reef official after a nice steak dinner at Jeff Ruby's restaurant. And he said the steak was maybe the best recruiter of them all. And they were all recruiting and giving him their pitch. And obviously this included, you know, Mike Hilton. This this included Trey Hendrickson, included Joe Burrow. Chidobe Awuzie, Sam Hubbard. I mean, Zach Taylor was obviously there. So this was the meeting. They were at the precinct. Obviously, if you're familiar with uh, Jeff Ruby's stakes, uh, Ruby gave uh, Reef a cigar, said a whole box of cigars was coming his way if he signs with Cincinnati. So look, it got it done. And this is a big step in the right direction to protecting Joe Burrow. And right now he's a right tackle. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft because he does have the ability to move inside. I think they could move him to guard. That's a very real possibility, especially if you take so at five. But this was a step in the right direction, a big signing. We still don't have the numbers yet as we record this, but uh, a big step in the right direction to protect Burrow and keep him upright. You're not going to believe this, James, but Bengals fans are cynical. And one of the first tweets I got after the signing of Riley Reef was announced was, is it wrong that I'm unenthused with this signing? Is he really that much better than Bobby Hart and, oh and Fred Johnson? Look, guys, Riley Reef's worst season is better than Bobby Hart's best season. Yeah, he's 32, but he's still got plenty left in the tank. He's not falling off a cliff. There, there might be an age-related cliff coming, but for now, on paper at least, he is a clear upgrade at right tackle, he's been a stalwart. He hasn't missed time with injury throughout his career. He's played right tackle. He's played left tackle. James, you told me before we started recording during his press conference, which you've got the video of in its entirety up over at allbengals.com, that Reef is willing to play any position on the offensive line. And he's got that versatility. Built physically almost identically to Jonah Williams, a couple inches taller, maybe a few pounds heavier, arm length within a half inch of one another, similar agility testing, similar straight line speed, a lot of similarities between those two guys. And how often have we talked about moving Jonah Williams to guard or moving Jonah Williams to, to right tackle if they draft Penny Sewell? So mm-hmm. similar guys physically, more of a track record for Reef. But the point of all this, what I'm getting to here is Riley Reef at 32 years old, does not preclude the Bengals from drafting Penny Sewell at five, or if they trade back from drafting Rashawn Slater, or maybe even drafting Rashawn Slater at five. Not saying that's ideal, but it's not off the table. They can still go out there and add an offensive tackle early in the draft, and Riley Reef doesn't change that. Riley Reef has zero impact on the draft, no doubt about it. And that doesn't mean he doesn't help their offensive line. It doesn't mean he doesn't get them closer to competent right or functional is the word I've been using to to have a goal, a realistic goal for the Bengals offensive line in 2021. 
he gets him closer to that. But yeah, you can't let 32-year-old Riley Reef. you can't let any of these guys, uh, honestly, unless they're, you know, Mike Hilton's 27, Awuzier, 26 years old, are going to be 26. I'm calling him Cheeto, by the way. That's his nickname, C-H-I-D-O. So that's what we're going to do here on Locked on Bengals now on. Uh, so if you're listening, Cheeto is Chidobe Awuzier because uh, it's easier. But th- these guys may impact your draft plan some. Like, I don't think the Bengals are necessarily taking a corner at five. But if he was 32, if Cheeto was 32 or Mike Hilton was 32, it would it would change things a bit. So age is, is certainly a factor here. You're not getting Reef, the 28-year-old. You're getting Reef, the 32-year-old, which is still really good in an upgrade. But that's not impacting what happens next month in the draft. I think the impact is that it opens things up a little bit. You don't feel that pressure to address a position with a rookie. That's true at corner now. That doesn't mean they're not going to draft a corner because mm-hmm. maybe they aren't sold on Trey Waynes after this year, right? And, and it allows them to go BPA at more spots in the draft, maybe in the second round. Maybe in the first round, they still feel like they've got to take, you know, Chase or Sewell if either is available because, you know, those guys are the best best players on the board. That's great. That's fine. They can do that now. But none of these free agents that they've signed, in my opinion anyway, will stop them from drafting any player at this point, and it relieves that pressure. I think that is the impact on the draft. James, there are a couple other topics to talk about today. Very busy day at Paul Brown Stadium. As Emily Parker noted on Twitter, they had eight press conferences that you sat in on on Zoom. But let's hit on a couple other free agency notes that I've seen going around on Twitter today. One... James W513 tagged us in a tweet as we started recording this, James, from Pro Football Talk that says Kenny Galladay is looking for $18.5 million per year. I am skeptical that that kind of money is out there for Kenny Galladay right now. Looking at the teams that are rumored to be interested in him, looking at the deal that the Bears supposedly offered him that came in around $12 or $11 million on a one-year deal, I, I think that Kenny Galladay might be looking to settle for a one-year deal to get back on the market next year after he's had a chance to play healthy and the salary caps had an opportunity to bounce back. It's fair. And I think if you're looking at that and looking at his options and the Ravens reportedly are poking around on Kenny Galladay as well, again, look at the Bengals. What do they do? They throw the ball. What's the question mark right now with the Ravens if you're taking a one-year deal? Lamar Jackson throwing and just them throwing in general. If I'm Kenny Galladay, you could probably get the most money in Cincinnati. I would assume they would give him 12 to 13 million and then maybe you could do incentives up to 16, probably in that range. I don't think he's getting to 18 anywhere by the way. I think that's probably let's leak that and hope we get 15 because that 11 to 12 range sucks and I'm better than Will Fuller. Like that's how I would view it if I was Kenny Galladay. So, I think the Bengals can do that. Can they get him to 15 on a one-year deal? Absolutely. And we talked about it on on Thursday night show or early Friday morning show. The multi-year deal thing, I would throw it out there, Adam, just in case. But yeah, his best bet is probably to take a one-year deal at this point. And when I look at all these places, Chicago, New York, the Giants, by the way, New York, the Ravens, who seem to be in it, I guess, and then the Bengals. The Bengals, to me, seem like the best fit because he's going to – I think he's going to get the most targets, be featured the most, potentially put up the biggest numbers. And if you're taking a one-year deal, it's going to be about numbers. And I think he would put the put up the biggest numbers in Cincinnati. 
I think it's going to come down in a lot of ways to money. If he gets a longer term deal that gets close to that 18 million, maybe it is 15 million for three years, then then maybe he takes it if enough of that money is guaranteed. Obviously, time will tell here. There hasn't been a whole lot of news about the Bengals involvement in this on Friday as we record Friday morning for me, Friday afternoon for James. One other quick free agent note. NFL Network's Mike Garofolo indicates that the Bengals are still poking around the defensive tackle market, and that comes on the heels of the news that they are moving on from veteran defensive tackle Geno Atkins. That one hit me hard. Geno Atkins, all-decade team, one of the best Bengals of all time, certainly one of the best defensive tackles of all time, should be a Hall of Famer. Hope he gets a chance to go make some noise in the playoffs wherever he lands. I imagine the Bengals tried to get him to take less money, couldn't work it out. And today, Bobby Hart, Geno Atkins, Ryan Finley all released. Some of those were obvious. One of those is a a football move. Ryan Finley wasn't going to be the guy as a backup quarterback. Bobby, obvious move from a cap perspective. Geno, again, obvious from a cap perspective, but certainly the most emotional out of all of those cuts. And you save now over $16 million against the cap and it it frees things up. And we haven't seen the reef deal, but the the Bengals still have a little flexibility here to maybe go get that defensive tackle. Or if Kenny Galladay does decide to come to Cincinnati. So that's the key. And you look at it, they just wanted to secure the replacements before they made the moves. I think there are a lot of fans wondering, well, why is Geno still on the team? Well, they waited until Larry Ogunjobi officially signed his contract on Friday morning. Then Zach Taylor talked to Geno Atkins and gave him the news. That's sound strategy to me. Same thing goes for Bobby Hart. All right, let's go get Riley Reef and make sure everything goes well with that and get him signed. And then he signed. And then guess what? The news came down that Bobby Hart was being released. So it makes sense. The Ryan Finley one, he was limited. They beat the Steelers with him, but he was limited and he wasn't going to be the backup. They signed Allen for a reason, like you said. So I guess that's a little surprising, but not really from a football perspective. And these are all moves that you expected. And you're right about Geno Atkins. Great dude, Hall of Famer, eight-time Pro Bowler. And the thing that stood out to me, I didn't realize, I know they had worked out together and communicated. Larry Ogunjobi talked. Atkins and Ogunjobi are tight. He said, that's my big brother. That's my mentor. And he being Larry Ogunjobi talking about Geno Atkins. And now he's replacing him in Cincinnati. And that's uh, obviously really, really big shoes to fill. But uh, hopefully Gino can land somewhere, land on a contender. And I'm sure there are going to be some teams already reaching out to his representatives to try to get him to, to sign elsewhere. I mean, look at the deals that veterans are getting around the NFL. Guys like Patrick Peterson, A.J. Green, J.J. Watt. Somebody's going to pay Gino Atkins. He's going to cash in one or two last times here and hopefully get a chance on a contender. Speaking of Larry Ogunjobi, you're right. Big shoes to fill. I don't think the Bengals are going to ha- are going to be able to ask him to fill those shoes by himself. And that's why I think they're still poking around that defensive tackle market. You mentioned that the Bengals still have some flexibility after the Riley Reef deal. We really need to see the details there. His year one cap hit could be $4 million. It could be $8 million. It could be $10 million. Really wow. depends on what the Bengals did with the signing bonus, how they structured the deal. If he got a, a Mike Hilton kind of deal with that year one roster bonus. And a, and a smaller signing bonus, or if you got a deal more like Chidobe Awuzie, really trying with that name, a deal more like Cheeto, where they minimize the, the year one cap hit. I have them at about $29 million in space before the Reef deal. 
not including the Mike Thomas deal and not including the Tony Brown deal. That's about where I have them right now. I still expect them to probably spend another 30 to 40 million in year one cash. And obviously some of that goes to rookies as we talked about yesterday. By the way, we've talked a lot about these guys in the last couple of days, James. So again, if you're new to the podcast, make sure you go check out the last few episodes as well because we've got a lot on Riley Reef and Kenny Galladay in those episodes too. If we ever get a break, I'm going to watch some tape on all these guys and put together some tape notes. <laughs> in the meantime, uh, our guy Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter has great film threads on all of these players that the Bengals have signed lately. Encourage you to go check that out. And we'll be right here for you whenever the Bengals are in the news. So again, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're here wherever you get your podcast, and we're here for you at the very least five times a week with the hard-hitting Bengals analysis that you need. Until the next time they're in the news, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one.